Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. We are part of the Bald Move Network. You can find everything we do at baldmove.com. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And this week we're covering Season 3, Episode 7 of The Walking Dead, entitled, When the Dead Come Knocking. Don't come (laughs) a-rockin'. Yeah. So, do we want to talk about the title right up front? Play the name game right now? Because I'm honestly clueless when it comes to this. I'm guessing it's referring to the cabin adventure. Really? That that seemed like the least important part of this episode. Yes. To name it after that seems crazy. I agree, but... The dead come knocking. I don't know, man. Yeah. Seems weird. I don't know. Uh, there's. Are they trying to. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's got to be it, though. That. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, unless they're talking like Proto Men style, metaphorically, we are yeah. the dead of Rick's group. Hmm. And they're coming knocking on Woodbury. Yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I know in the comics that Rick makes that. This isn't really a spoiler. He actually makes that uh, connection. Um, where he has this epiphany, like, you know, we're the walking dead. Oh, okay. You know, because we're just waiting to die. And, yeah. you know, that's all our life is, is death. Yeah, because eventually they will be walkers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, that's uh, in the past now. Um, what do you think of this episode? Uh, I kind of want to say it's the best of the season. Yeah, man. I'm with you. That, I mean, it was really good. There was others that had a lot more action and some of them were cooler. But as far as mm-hmm. keeping me on pins and needles, using music to mask mass effect or max effect, mm-hmm. uh, tying together plot lines, like, you know, finally bridging the gap between Woodbury and the prison. And not even finally, just they did it. Like, yeah, I, season two, it would have been the last episode of the season. Uh, not the second to last episode of the mid season. Yo, yeah, clearly. Like I mean, this has been such a big turnaround. Yes, uh, in the the way that they've approached the the speed of the season. Which the so obviously, when Darabont got ousted and Mazera took over, and they had this big creative turmoil, and a lot of actors wanted out. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we'll look back at the end of this run? And see season two as an aberration where the show was desperately trying to retool this to go into a less Dara Bounty. Yeah. You know, a less thoughtful, more action-oriented, more suspense and horror-oriented direction. Or do you think – because sometimes I even think that some of the uneven moments in in this season were about – you know, getting rid of things that weren't working like Lori and Rick's relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll just, you know, have a big dramatic get out of this. And and I've had some inside – Seppenwall mentioned either on his podcast or his article about that there was scuttlebutt that Iron E. Singleton, the guy that played T-Dog, was Mm -hmm. quote-unquote difficult to work with. Oh, okay. Um, That's how he's perceived amongst the production crew. He just kept saying, give me more lines, damn it. Yeah, right? Can you believe (laughs) this guy? Um, No, but I just wonder if they didn't decide to, instead of beefing him up and making him into a bigger role, like, you know, we're going to kill him off. Yeah. And then bring on a guy that we really like mm-hmm. to fulfill the things we wanted T-Dog to do, which felt, which is why he didn't get any screen time and which is why his character arc didn't go anywhere. Could be. Because else but, is but pretty... But they keep claiming. I mean, Mazera on his Twitter account keeps claiming that they couldn't do these things with T-Dog well, because well, they hadn't 
built yeah. him up enough. Well, right? and then we're going to get into a little spoiler territory, um, which which segues to we have a new spoiler policy we've been talking about the last few weeks, but I want to do up, up front. Well, I, I just wanted to like no, temporarily call no, bullshit done. on it because they killed him off before they could do anything with him. Yes, but I think there's I think we need to get into the spoiler okay, section because enough. we've got some very light. So so we've got. Yeah. So, we've got featherweight spoilers this week. We yeah. got some medium weight spoilers, and then we've got the hard hitting uh, brick bat to the skull spoilers. <laughs> so right. they're all safely sequestered after the music. We're gonna try something new. I've ordered them to where we talk about the light stuff, which is basically casting news, which is gonna come to fruition next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's maybe some light spoilers there. Uh, if you're a comic book fan, have no fear. There's some middle ground, which is more of a comic discu- discussion and, and, and stuff like that. And then I will say <laughs> we're about to do the heavy-hitting uh, yeah. Hiroshima-type yeah. spoilers. Uh, arm through the skull. Yeah. Armchair through the skull yeah. spoilers. So so I'll give you a little bit more notice to switch off because some people's like, well, we don't want to hit the – we don't want to hear the synopsis of the episode, but we do want to hear the comic booky stuff. So we're going to try that as a, as a new policy. All right. A couple so, other pieces yeah. of news. Um, I'm going to announce it now. We're going to have a Bald Move meetup in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, yeah. On Friday, February 1st at 7 p.m. at the Avery Brewery. Mm-hmm. And you can find more information about that location at averybrewing.com. Uh, but I kind of flubbed the meetup in Seattle. Didn't give enough advance notice, so I'm letting you know now. Uh, not just us, but all the Bald Move guys. Yeah, Eric and Jesse arrogance. from Personal Arrogance. Uh, um, Levi Jeans is a frequent uh, feedbacker for us and contributor over there. Couple, a f- get, couple guest host appearances on Personal Arrogance as well. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, we're all going to be there, and we're going to be hanging out. We'll probably bring some Cards Against Humanity yeah. and kickbacks from Brews. Uh, you're welcome to join us. So if that sounds like a good, uh, good plan, uh, Friday, February 1st at 7 p.m. at the Avery Brewing Company. Um, also, you have forgotten to pimp our spoiler, not our spoiler music, but our general music for like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many weeks in a row. And it's a crime because he's your brother. It is a crime. Um, it's blood, Jim. Yeah, I feel like Merle right now. Just <laughs> totally bagging on my brother here. Uh, yeah, he, my brother has a band called My Stereana. You can find him at mysterianamusic.com. Um, and they wrote the awesome... Uh, spine tingling theme song that we have. It is great. All it of is, our original yeah. stuff, all of our original theme music is really good. I like the yeah. uh, Night's Watch stuff. Um, and but Night's Watch and, and the Watching Dead in particular have really hard hitting themes. And yeah, thank you for that. Yep. All right, real quick before we get into the recap, what do you rate this episode? Give me a number. Nine. Got yeah, very nice. I was going to say the same thing. So we're in agreement now. That oh, I mean, said give me a number, not a word. Okay. That doesn't mean there's not some bullshit in this episode. That's true. You we'll know we've it. got to talk, and I know you all are thinking, oh, I bet I know what the bullshit's going to be. <laughs> yep. So. All right, well, let's get into the recap. It starts off with Merle interrogating Glenn. We kind of pick up right where uh, we wanted to see this episode pick up, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maggie's listening in from the next room. Yep. Pretty and effective get, interrogation uh, technique. Yeah. My... The thing I noticed right off the bat was racist Merle is back. He is back. He's back. Merle has not changed one bit. Uh, no. He's got no. a... We all knew that, but... He had a little veneer of civility on him, but no, yeah. he hasn't changed. Yep. Uh, I was a little creeped out by Merle's seduction techniques here with Glenn. That's what he was trying to do, right? Seduce him? Talking about Maggie's soft lips and skin? Trembling it's, skin. It's so funny you said that because there is a male-on-male seduction scene in the new James Bond movie. Oh, is there? Did, I did get a little bit of Bondy, uh, a <laughs> little bit of a Bondy Bond uh, uh, nice. vibe off of this scene. 
But Glenn comes back strong with the headbutt to the face. Yes. For yes. the record, I don't think Merle was coming on to Glenn. No, he was just, of course not. Yeah, I don't know. Talking about women's trembling skin. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Whatever that means. I don't think uh, you get to fully appreciate that when you're doing it on the filthy floor of a guard tower. I don't yeah, think you, right. feel, you know, get to take in the full essence of one's womanhood <laughs> the way Merle would suggest. After eight months Maybe on the here run. in Woodbury. Maybe. With the governor and Merle and their fine assortment of, of, of breeding stock that they've got going on here. Yep. Um, but but not, not in the, the grimy floor of the guard tower. Uh, so this nose thing that he does to Glenn. Oh, I thought he was going to cut his fucking I, nose off. I did, too. Off. I, was so, I was like, please, please don't do that. I can't watch that. That would be so cool. <laughs> it would have been awesome. Because it's, it's a completely non-fatal wound. It's like oh, cutting yeah. someone's ear off. Yeah. But it's It would bleed a lot, but that's it. Oh, no, it hurt. But yeah, it's oh, more yeah. like it's a destruction of self, man. Mm-hmm. Like your face is you. Yeah. And you fuck with that. It's powerful. Definitely. Powerful juju. I thought they were going to uh, go there. But apparently this this is a thing that actually really, really hurts. Like if you take – I saw this on Reddit and somebody was saying if you take like a credit card, put it up to your nose and push upward towards your nose, it really freaking hurts. Let's try it, Jim. You can try it. I'll keep moving on to the next scene. And when we hear you scream, we'll know it's done. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So wait, you, you don't just push into their face? You actually – No, you push up. Oh, fuck. Little. That does hurt. <laughs> Wow. Does it really? If I really laid in on this, uh-huh. yeah. yeah, that okay. hurts a lot. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's surprisingly painful. Yeah, because I, I didn't know what he was doing at first other than cutting his nose off. Yeah, I have this little rounded piece of metal thing, like a, mm-hmm. like a kind of like a solid billet harmonica, if you will. And uh, a second of that was more than I could take, and I didn't even push it very hard. Wow. Damn, that would hurt. All right, next scene uh, is Rick. Kind of realizing here that Michonne is alive, a human being, not a zombie, and letting her into the prison. Very, very slowly. Yeah, I. in fact... Doesn't he do it, like, really nonchalant? He's just like, hmm, I guess. I don't even is. know that he... The way they filmed it, you're kind of left to decide that if... Did Carl Jr. decide, I can't take this no more, and I'm going to save him, and get in his dad... Yeah. Kind of guilted his dad in action? Or was this something that, as Michonne is blacking out, Rick said, fuck it, Carl, you know... I... I honestly don't know because he took his sweet ass time. Yes, he did. Like, he just turned around and kind of moseyed over. Yep. Uh, maybe that's what he does though. He's a cowboy. <laughs> um, I did think it was a pretty cool touch here that um, when Michonne kind of grabs her leg, touches her wound, and it bleeds all over her hand, when she puts it back up on the fence, uh-huh. the zombie smells it because it's right yeah, by yeah, his face. Yeah. Right, right. I was like, oh, that was pretty neat. Yep. So, not bad. Um, and that's pretty much all I was about that scene. Uh, next, Rick takes Michonne into the foyer of the prison, foyer, if you want to get fancy, uh, and begins to interrogate her. Uh, and Daryl comes in, pulls him aside to show him that he found Carol alive. Which was surprisingly a nice little scene. I was all fixed up to, like, mock it and say, you know, like, Rick comes in, he's just crestfallen. He's like, oh, something really cool. Daryl's all excited. Oh, fuck. Oh, Carol. But then they started <laughs> reacting, and they're they're... These people have become real characters that snuck up on me. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, when Carol, like, sees Rick and the baby and then doesn't see Lori and she makes the connection. And they have a genuine moment there. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. Although, it was funny because when she started crying about Lori, uh, you could see a shot of over her shoulder Rick's there. 
in the shot. And I was just thinking, yeah, Rick's probably thinking, Carol, we did this already. <laughs> we kind of mourned her and moved on. Uh, a little I late don't to know. the party. I mean, he did go through his full on crazy. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that he's gone through all. No, I'm I'm kidding. He invented a new cycle of grief called psychosis. Regrief. Regrief. He's regriefing. It's going to retrigger a psychotic break. <laughs> it might. Uh, we go back to Woodbury, and Milton tells the gov the the governor that this dude and I don't remember his name, Mister Coleman. Mister Coleman. Uh, I enjoy his lanterns and tents. His <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> Coleman camping supplies. Uh, not a sponsor of this show, but the dude uh, is ready to die, and Andrea pulls on her pants at the governor's place and says, I'll be back. She takes off, goes mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, and Milton, surprisingly uh, off-put if- by the governor in his robe. Uh, he's just socially awkward. He's, you think he was he's, just surprised that— He's retained his socially awkward penguin status from uh, Glenn. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I didn't see him wearing the hat, though. Glenn doesn't have the hat either now. No, so that cla- hat's long. Like, he's obvious. wearing the social awkward penguin pajamas. <laughs> gotcha. That's what yeah. he is. Maybe he. Maybe they were onesies. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Uh, the thing is that robe is incredibly short. It just ends at his at his <laughs> navel. So that's why it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. So why do you even wear that, Governor? <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Uh, you have anything else, or should we move on? No. All right. Uh, Rick interrogates Michonne some more um, and immediately becomes hostile with her. Yeah. So he, he asks her a question and grabs her and says, you're going to tell me. And she was kind of cooperating. I know. Now, she was being probably needlessly standoffish. And, you know, it's one of these things that always drives me crazy mm-hmm. in a show when someone with no hand at all. Yeah. They don't have an upper hand. Alone, they just got no hand at all. Tries to act tough. And, you know, they get what's coming to them. You know, it's like it's, yeah. it's one thing if you come in, you've got a hostage or you've mm-hmm. got something they need, something to bargain with. She's got information and saying, I ain't telling you nothing is going to do nothing but invite more torture and pain. And why? <laughs> Definitely. I mean, they brought her in. They're offering a medical treater medically. I'm well, glad she was that, giving up information, just not as at the rate that Rick wanted her to. Well, and that's understandable. Like, yeah. what if if someone had captured Andrea and started being sass about it? Uh, and Michonne would whip out the sword and started making, in, you know, playing make the pig squeal mm. pretty damn quick. So I don't understand. Okay. You know, it's not that uncommon for people to lack basic empathy. And <laughs> <laughs> sure. How often do you see incredible assholes act com- in, in offended when other people are assholes to them? So maybe mm. she's got a little bit of that going for her. Gotcha. Uh, this was my favorite scene, I have to say. Seriously? Absolute favorite scene of the entire show, actually. Why? Uh, because my name was mentioned in oh, it. Oh, of course. <laughs> and they called me Charming. And a pretty which, boy. Yeah, you and are a pretty all, boy. You are all of the above. <laughs> I will check those boxes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, not my favorite scene, but cool to hear uh, a shout-out to me. Yep. Uh, so then Glenn is back uh, taking a beating at the hands of Oh, Burl. they did answer the question oh. of how she found the prison. They I just guess... pointed her straight shot, said that way. Well, who that? But she lied there, right? Because I, I was one. She basically made it seem like Glenn and Maggie had interacted with her when really she just eavesdropped on them. Oh, I thought she was talking about Andrea had told her that, but I guess how would Andrea know where to fuck the prison? Is that? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. No, I, I'm no. Okay. The, this so whole time she was not 
Hmm. Not lying, but shading the truth, letting Rick make an assumption that is not true. She yeah. didn't actually tell any lies. Yeah, we had speculated last episode that she followed their tracks back or something. Right. So she she overheard enough of their conversation to understand where they came from and yeah. was able to fall back. And it's and I think she knew about the prison, right? She just didn't think it could be cleared. Well, right. Just like she, the governor. Right. So, and that's something we kind of hint or hit on by accident last week. We're saying, well, yeah. if Rick had stumbled upon it, and obviously the governor had stumbled upon it, on it andrea and michonne i don't know why these people st- stayed around in unusually arctic cold georgia for a whole fucking year <laughs> but what you know or whole, whole winter but whatever sure uh so next scene glenn's taking a beating at the hands of merle oh a savage beating uh, yeah he's pretty messed up looking. he's looking like stallone at the end of rocky <laughs> oh god uh but he hasn't given anything up so there's that uh, he's confident that Rick's coming to save him, but he gives away a little bit too much information to Merle, and he sees through his lies. Yeah, there's so many ways to interrogate people, and um, I thought a lot of people were finding fault with it, but I, I thought oh, these really? were pretty you know, interesting way. I mean, he tried to kind of like scare him, and then mm-hmm. he beat on him, and then he let up and just kind of basically goaded him into saying, I've got, you know, we've, we've got the upper hand, and there's nobody coming to get you. And by Glenn refuting that, trying to find his bravado, he inadvertently gave up the fact that, yeah. you know. Now, my question is, why does he bring up Andrea here? Because when Merle knew Andrea, she wasn't a badass by any stretch. So is that just to say there are a lot of people coming? Or well, I think that plus I got a lot of flavor of that Merle was impressed by how strong Glenn had become. Mm-hmm. And if you basically um, assume that kind of growth and toughness across the entire group of survivors Merle was afraid of, and it was a large camp at the time, maybe he assumed yeah. there's more, he's thinking, oh, if these are all as badass and hardcore as Maggie and Glenn. Yeah. So – yeah, I, I think that's what. Plus, Andrea wasn't a complete wuss. I mean, she had her gun, no, and yeah. she was quick to pull it on a motherfucker. <laughs> a little too quick, uh-huh. as we talked about in the previous podcast. But I, I wouldn't say she was a puss of the group. Her no, sister, no, no. maybe. But she wasn't the badass that she's she was becoming at the end of season two, right? Right, right. She's done a little bit of badass regression of late. but Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get on that board. All I'll right. get on board that train. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny when he offered to bake a cake for him. <laughs> With pink icing. <laughs> pink frosting, yeah. Um, Glenn, yeah, Glenn should have just shut up, take a page out of Michonne's book and just mm-hmm. clamp it. Uh, so next scene is Herschel patching up Michonne um, and the group deciding to go after Glenn and Maggie. Uh, we get some really awesome camera work here, some shots that I really liked. Um, they go up to the second level of that cell block and mm-hmm. kind of shoot down on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Herschel's dressing Michonne's wound, there's this really wide shot of him and Carl and Michonne in that mm-hmm. room that I liked a lot. Uh, some good camera work there. Yeah, and they are loading up for bear. I mean, they're packing their smoke grenades or oh, tear yeah. gas. Um, what do you think about who was more convincing in reassuring Carl Jr. here, uh, Daryl or Rick himself? Uh, remind me what Rick does, because I remember Daryl says, don't worry, I'll keep an eye on your dad. Right, and gives him the tough guy clap on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rick gets on Carl's level and basically apologizes. Like, look, I know I haven't been there for you, and now oh, I'm going Oh, this away is where again. he names the ass kicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah where, I think where so. Where he gives the baby the worst name ever. Right. Judith is a terrible name, isn't it? 
Uh, I would say yes. Sorry to all of our listeners named Judith, but eh, the thing is, there's Judy is fine. Judy, yeah, so I guess you go Judy. Judy, yeah. Judy is short for Judith, right? Oh yeah. yeah. The thing is, there's a lot of biblical allusions or quasi biblical allusions to Judith. But I don't think they're going to go there. Yeah, probably not. You know, like unless this is some kind of dark seed that they're planting, I don't think any of that stuff is going to come to fruition. Because isn't They'd Judith like the timeline? The sister of Eve, like it's in some kind of apocryphal. I am not. I know she well was. Versed. She she killed some dude in the Old Testament. Like she cut. She she drove a tent spike. There was a okay a chick that drove a tent spike. I remember a lot of tent head. spikes. Yeah, going through people's heads. There's yeah. that. But I think there's an apocryphal book where Judith is like the sister of Eve that marries Cain, hmm. and that they have like a you know it's like some kind of vampire. Maybe. There's a lot of vampire stuff that's about this. Some Anne Rice shit. I don't that I'm not aware. See, of. See the the thing that I read into this name is. <laughs> the this baby to Carl and and hopefully in his in his mind to the rest of the group as well it, it represents hope as babies so often do in sure, shows sure uh, and he wants to give it a name from before all this stuff happened yeah like he doesn't want it mixed up in this crazy world all right that's a good take so that's what I was reading uh, we move on to Andrea arriving at the Swan Station, or I'm sorry, at uh, the place where Mr. Coleman's about to die <laughs> in the name of science. Uh-huh. I, this scene just felt like lost to me. The music, the shot of the glasses at the beginning on the table, uh, kind of jolting you out of the previous scenario into this oddly pristine, um, yeah. but kind of grungy I, I got a very strong Soylent Green oh. vibe off of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is the second time Chuck Heston made a mention in our outline because someone draws a parallel between Omega Man and last episode and the feedback. So <laughs> cool. But yeah, I, I, that's what I got. I'm like, is he going to be, is this how, is this how the town stays so well fed? Yeah, oh, they take man. their old people in and <laughs> this uh, is what's select, in the tea. Select your music track, select your final experience. And Soylent tea is people. <laughs> <laughs> Soylent tea is people. We need to make that a t-shirt. Yeah. yeah Along with our, our crowd. Put, the, put that bowl on the front. Yeah. <laughs> what is with the bowl? Can you tell me? The prayer bowl? That's just yeah. some Tibetan thing. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I had no idea what he was doing. Yeah. Geeks I just are... thought he was giving him an audio cue yes. when he woke up. Yes. I don't think he has any kind of spiritual. Okay. And unless th- this guy kind of was faintly oriental, though. Maybe. Did you uh, think Ms. so? Mr. Coleman? Yeah. It's hard to tell the guy that. I don't know, yeah. I mean, they. I would have believed that they really did get a dead guy in there. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he's got that papery kind of skin, and uh-huh. and I know they can do a lot of makeup. Maybe he probably, like, one-arm push-up kick my ass. But probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought it was a, a cue, but I don't think there's any significance. Although now, okay. that's the second kind of quasi-religious imagery yeah. we've seen in the cast. Now my wheels mm. are spinning. Is there trying any... to get a little villigan on us here? Maybe. Is there any tie-in with the title? No. Mm. Can't think of any. A dead gum ringing. <laughs> sure. Soylent tea is made out of people. We've got a, <laughs> along with our, uh, what is it, the cr- uh, crouching redneck hidden badass t-shirts? Yes. we got yeah. we got to come back strong with next season. Definitely. Uh, moving on. Did we talk about what he's actually doing here or has... Yeah, I, he's getting ready to observe. Oh, that's right. We haven't gotten to that death. scene yet. He Not describes yet. the protocol next scene. Yeah. Uh, so we go back to... Speaking of protocol. <laughs> yeah, Merle totally breaking protocol in this next scene. 
uh, where he drags a walker into the room with Glenn and just lets it loose. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is Merle's plan here? Because playing the two vic- you know, hostages against each other and mm-hmm. letting one hear what you're doing to the other is all well and good. But if you just fucking kill the dude, <laughs> yeah. you lose that. Uh-huh. Uh, and he, I mean, he didn't think that, that, that it was obvious from a later scene that he just kind of won that. He was pissed yeah. that Glenn wouldn't break and he didn't really care what happened to him. Yeah, which definitely. the governor didn't seem too di- di- disturbed by. I don't know. The governor is way down on Merle this episode. You he's think questioning his loyalty? He's well, yeah, he's mad that he's I failed. Think... He takes over the interrogation. Yeah, and I th- and and also about the prisons. Like you said, this was untakeable. Yeah, blah blah blah. Um, yeah, I just feel like the governor, for the first time, feels a little unsure of his seat of power. Yeah, that he's not going to have the upper hand on these people. Definitely. Um. This, I have to say, this actually is one of my favorite scenes oh, yeah. in the entire series. This is one of the few that got my heart racing. Yeah. Because I like Glenn as a character and th- so much, and I really felt like he could die in this scene. Yeah. I and Honestly, other than Rick and Carl, I don't know that they're... I mean, we talk about character shields. Mm-hmm. Daryl. Daryl, maybe, but yeah. I don't really think after this season that anyone is 100% safe. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. Except for, like I said, Rick and, and, and Carl. Yeah. Um, now, this is the first time I noticed the music because they have yeah. this, like, this silent pan out of Glenn after he does this little primal war scream. And then they had this uh, like cymbal clash as it faded to black. It just yeah. really sets you kind of on uh, on your nerves on end. Absolutely. And they started it off with another Lost reference. It was the crazy strings from, like, mm. the intro, the title card of Lost. Hmm. It was very similar to that. Yeah, the wall. Yeah. Weird. Uh, but, yeah, I like. I really liked when he hulked out at the end. <laughs> it was sweet. Uh, again, racist Merle saying yeah. he feed the zombie Chinese, he's going to... Korean, I guess. Korean feed's going to be yeah. hungry again in an hour. Uh, see, I didn't pick that up the first time. You didn't? No. Oh. You were like, yeah, man, that's what he meant. Yeah. Yeah, even after explaining so. the joke, you're like, no, he didn't go. I'm like, come on, this is fucking Merle. <laughs> yeah, you you're right. He was accidentally insensitive? <laughs> uh, we go back to Poindexter. Or, I'm sorry, Milton. No, he's uh, Poindexter. Poindexter, who's trying to determine if the walkers are conscious after they turn. Mm-hmm. He kind of goes through the whole thing here. Um, what he's, he's doing with the bowl, what he's doing with the picture and yeah. the music and... These yeah. are cues to help remind them post mortem that of who he is and, and and all that, and the old man's going to raise his hand if he ascends to any of this. Right. Uh, Andrea's having none of this. She's like, "No, this is the dumbest plan ever. He's going to jump up and he's going to eat you." Which I understand. She says she starts to. First of all, just Andrea seems to be very not forthcoming about her experiences with this. I know. Like she says, "Have you seen this?" He's like, "No." And she could have said, "Well, I did. My, my sister, sister woke up and I she tried to eat my face off and I shot her in the face." Yep. Also, I went to the CDC where I saw a fucking brain scan of someone turning uh-huh. and how their all their higher functions just went black and turned off. She could have I mean, a science guy like Poindexter probably would have been interested in all those things. But she's These, just like, yeah. I'm content to let you do your foolhardy experiment. These are the only things I see in this show now that make me kind of cringe. When I know characters have information, they have no valid reason. They actually have incentive to tell people things. Yes. And they just don't. Yeah, it's like a, a and classic... It's not- rom-com technique of if these people ever (laughs) said what was on their mind the movie would be over in 30 minutes yeah but that's not the case i think breaking bad is a perfect example of that where everybody 
says what's on their mind, and the plot progresses naturally. Yeah, or there's a good reason why. Like, Walt exactly, can't yeah. com- you know, come out that he's a drug kingpin <laughs> sure. and tries to protect his family from that. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, there's they, they make a certain amount of logical sense. Yeah. And I don't understand... At, with the breakneck pace this show is taking, this scene as well as a scene later on down the line, it just seemed like we need to get Andrea away for the governor so we can do these interrogations and have the governor do his evil governor shit. Mm-hmm. But we've banned her from the wall and we blah, blah, blah. So it's like, I we're just going to have this old man dying. And it wasn't yeah. really – I mean, did you find it creepy or scary? Uh, No, but I think it does show a side of Poindexter that – we maybe caught slight glimpses of before. Which is... Which is what you actually said during the episode. You were saying he doesn't seem like much of a scientist. He seems like he doesn't really know what he's doing all that much. And maybe he's in his capacity... A little out of his capacity there. What's... Also, something I talked a little bit on the spoiler segment of last week and Mm -hmm. some theories I thought about. Yeah. So, anyway. So, that's kind of interesting. Maybe we'll see more of that. Uh, also, he telecommuted to work, which will actually save your life during the apocalypse. And, and again, that's uh, so. that makes perfect sense, him wearing pajamas all the time. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the governor comes back to uh, – or I'm sorry, the, Merle comes out to the governor who asks him how the interrogations are going. And when Merle has bad news, the governor decides to interrogate Maggie himself. Uh, and things get really, really tense in the interrogation room. Uh, the the one thing that stood out to me every single time I watched this episode is when the governor tells Maggie that she's going to be safe if she just gives up information. He clicks his teeth. Yeah. And that was weird. I He does it intentionally, right? Yeah, well, because I mean, the, the old man did that a lot, too, when he came back to life. He was doing a lot of teeth clicking. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's some kind of parallel? But I the, don't the, know. The, the teeth clicking on the zombies is just what they do. Well, right, but they <laughs> I'm saying that they gave the yeah. governor a zombie like tick that he's like hangs out with a zombie daughter, he watches zombie heads. <laughs> That's true. He's becoming, you know, like Rick when he went through a psychotic break, mm-hmm. he's becoming more like the zombies than he is the living. Is mm. that do you think you're going with that in direction? You might be stretching, but I like it. All right. Uh this was also another incredibly tense scene. Um Actually, well, let me ask you before this. we get to the yeah to the scene with Maggie. Oh, okay. Uh, I want to talk a little bit when Merle's outside because Merle, uh, you've got the other guy from the wall and the scouting party or whatever right there next to him, the backwards hat guy. I don't know his name. Uh, Brownie. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, but he's like he tries to interject something, uh, asks Merle like what the guy did to him, and Merle's just like he pissed me off and he gives him a dirty look. Uh huh. Like, I get the distinct impression that the only guy here that Merle cares to be friendly with is the governor. Uh, and everybody else is kind of against him. Well, that you could say that, except for we've clear, we've seen him be friendly with... Uh, Gargiulio? Hell no. No, no, not him, <laughs> but the other guys that he's arena fighting. Like Brownie, for example. Uh, I feel yeah, like yeah. he respects and likes Brownie. He just... What was that he, all about then? Because he's a fucking angry psychopath, man. And angry psychopaths don't like being questioned in front of the their, their leaders. I don't know, man. Well, yeah, you might be right about that. That's, that's At the end, there's something else, too. But we'll get to that. Oh, yeah? Okay. Anyway, so let's go to uh, Maggie. You had something to say about that? Um, do you think what, what would happen if Maggie played along a little bit instead of being as defiant as she was from the get? 
What do you mean played along? Like I, started giving him information? Well, not giving information, but at least... Fake information? No, I, I guess I don't know. Because he seemed like he was trying to be reasonable and like, look, if you just tell us what we know, we'll let you back You'll with be your safe. friends. Do you, do you think the fact that, you know, Merle fucking tortured her boyfriend... In the next room over, like, you know, that that just wasn't an option. Yeah, maybe. I'm, I'm trying to think yeah. where they could have, like, done this a little bit better. Or I, how I Maggie know. could have gotten, you know, avoided being, like, totally fucking creeped out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because, I mean, without giving up any information, it's really hard to kind of stretch that out. Because the governor was there. He meant yeah. business. Yeah, good point. He was like, I'm getting information from you one way or another. Right. Uh, and then when she doesn't immediately give up information, he switches to uh, creep mode. Uh-huh. Creep. He turns on the creep. Did you think they were actually going to do it in this scene? I, Did you think AMC was going to go there? I really was starting to think that they they. That I don't know that the, obviously they weren't going to show sure sure the the this step. I thought that we were going to hit a commercial break and come back with the aftermath, and it was going to uh-huh. be pretty bad. Do you think they needed to, or was this effective enough? Uh, I don't know. I don't... Okay. I, I think it was effective enough. It certainly... I, she, it certainly... I felt very... This was a hard episode to watch in places, oh, and this yeah. was one of the hardest parts. I felt pretty pretty shaky, so I imagine if mm-hmm. it got even worse, it would... You know, you, you, so you're, you're right. I, I bet that you don't really... You didn't have to go all that way. Yeah, I... I, the close-up shot of of Maggie, where um, she's got her shirt off and the governor's standing next to her, being creepy, was awesome. I mean, this is the first time I've really seen Laurie Cohan do some awesome acting, uh, so I was pretty impressed with it. But yeah, I thought the scene was really effective in what it was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on, the raiding party leaves their car a couple miles out from Woodbury, and Michonne leads them through the woods. Where they get jumped by a gang of walkers, and they hide in an old cabin where this uh, crazy guy tries to kill him. And apparently there's a loud smell, and there's a dead family dog on the... I mean, there's just a whole... This is a cabin of what the fuck. Yeah, it's full of it. He lives on 123 What the Fuck Street. It's in the middle of the <laughs> fucking woods, uh-huh. which, I, you know, and, and it's it's a shack. Mm-hmm. Like, a any kind of sizable herd would tear this thing to pieces, and there's no visible means of sustaining yourself there's no water <laughs> and i mean keep in mind we're a year out from yeah we've gone through the, the zombie the, apocalypse the, the the harsh georgia winter <laughs> yeah uh i this is a very i don't understand like did they need five minutes to fill did they feel like we haven't seen a good old-fashioned feeding frenzy this season yet yeah it felt I mean, we to had me like otis we had the horse in the first season otis in the second and they're like well you know we haven't seen a good intros ripping we still haven't seen a good one because it was terrible the what effects was terrible the effects at the end of the scene were horrible really yeah if you go back and you watch well, that you're you the can... connoisseur i'm not so <laughs> you can obviously tell that they didn't have anything there all they did was take a shirt on a body pour some red food coloring on it and have these guys move their hands around there were no intestines being ripped. I there thought was nothing. I saw intestines. No, being. and they had to even zoom the camera in to keep that uh, to to mask the effect. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it was terrible. All right. I've seen better stuff in B horror movies. Okay. <laughs> uh, they did get jumped by a ton of walkers, though. That was kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know how all those walkers got there all at the same time, but they were they in the red zone at this point, two miles out from Woodbury. 
who the hell knows? I mean, it's not like there's a we sign. Yeah, we don't really know where the red zone is. And what they what do they consider red zone? I mean, I guess that they've done a more because there's a steady stream of zombies assaulting Woodbury at all times. It seems like. Yeah. So how safe is it really? Uh, probably not super safe. I don't know. I I I I wonder what they mean by red zone, green zone. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder if. If that means like the in in the green zone they've like hidden caches of weapons and like maybe little mini fallbacks portions where they could you know where if you go outside their fortifications hmm. and all that I mean I don't know I'm just making shit up that'd be interesting to see uh, I do have to give Rick some shit in this scene in the cabin because we gave Andrea so much shit when she took the shot at what she thought was a walker from the top of the RV last season. Rick damn near killed Daryl this episode. Mm-hmm. Almost killed Daryl by pushing that shotgun aside. Daryl had to spin out of the way. Mm-hmm. I would have been so angry. <laughs> That's not the way for Daryl to go out. No. Uh, anyway, all right, let's move on. Oh, uh, the commercial. Do you remember what commercial came on immediately oh, after we got the test and ripping on scene? Yeah, it's no. K- KFC. <laughs> mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. Uh, next scene is Mr. Coleman turning into a zombie. Um, I don't know. What do you think about this? His his reaction and his stupidity. And... I don't know. I feel like who was the girl that played Amy last season? Or I don't know her name. First, but I thought when I see this guy doing this, um, you know, come reanimating, I thought that hers was a lot creepier and yeah. more well done, mm-hmm. and a lot more to the point, ambiguous about. Because I remember when I first saw, like, maybe there was some flash of recognition or yeah. maybe, you know, obviously it's not going to keep you from eating your f- face off. But there is – and in first season, they played around with that a little bit more. There's some feedback yeah. we got about that. I don't want to step on over it. But I don't know. Again, this is one of the sour – this is why – this in the shack is why the episode wasn't a 10. Yeah. They cut those two scenes out. This is a 10. There's no fat. 30-minute episode. There's no it's filler. It's all, well, I mean, yeah. you know, or they could have been drunk. I mean, if, if they were looking for things to draw out, they could have drawn out the interrogations and made those a little bit, you know, creepier. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, maybe they they didn't kind of linger on this guy's transformation because they had already done that in season one, like you said. Well, I don't think Maybe they it was, were just kind of like I don't. I didn't feel like lingering. I just felt like it was. It was. It, you know, I'm not gonna. Be, I'm not gonna harp on it. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just the a sour note in the otherwise excellent show. Okay. Uh, I I did like Poindexter's performance here. Um, he really? he was actually totally freaked out by this thing. Like once the zombie grabbed him and he saw that yeah these things are monsters they're not not people anymore. He he was pretty freaked out. I will say that this is a shitty experiment. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you, you're, you're conditioning this old man to raise his hand, and then you're going to strap that hand down as part of your protocol. Yeah. Like, how did that get past the drawing board stage? <laughs> That's as bad as telling him to click his teeth. Yeah, or, you know, blink, or, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know what. Eat brains. Right. <laughs> if you uh, lunge at me <laughs> and bite my face, if you understand. Awesome. And the other thing is, I also think that a better – I mean, he was way too fucking impatient to get results. Yeah. Like, if I was if I was approaching this from a scientist, and I know that zombies can be habituated to being around human flesh once they can no longer – it's like, I would oh, have yeah. – this, this would be a long-term game. 
I'm going to be observing this fucker over a week and repeating this experiment uh-huh. over and over and over again and, and see if he ever starts to calm down. Because I, I just, again, I was just kind of gobsmacked at how shitty the whole protocol was. Yeah, which lends the idea some credence that he's not a scientist. They, I mean, the Mythbusters could have come up with a better test for this oh, in definitely. Like five seconds flat. And it would have been cooler, too, and resulted in explosions. <laughs> Uh, uh, next scene, the governor puts a gun to Glenn's head, and Maggie gives up the location and the number of survivors. And and before everyone says that, like, you know, Maggie was the puss here, Maggie's made a pretty fucking stern stuff. Sure. I mean, when the governor was basically threatening to rape her, she's like, go to hell. Yeah. It took a threat to Glenn's life to break her, and... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how can how can you 100% say what you would or wouldn't do in that scenario? Oh, sure. Yeah. I honestly kind of thought Glenn was going to break. Oh, no, Glenn. Glenn, Glenn was going to, yeah. And I think the reason uh, the governor didn't push harder on Glenn is because he knew oh, he really? wasn't going to. Yeah. yeah. In that scene, you once can see the governor kind of puts he, the gun to Maggie's head and then goes, nah. Once he, yeah, right. And yeah. Once he on killed a zombie with his bare hands, when he started those <laughs> bare hands being tied to a chair, you know, a chair, he's uh-huh. like, okay, this guy's not. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other thing is, what is going on in Merle's head during all this? Because. Hmm. When he kind of he, I thought he kind of looked what passes for thoughtful on Merle's face when he said <laughs> they said that they came back for me. Yeah, yeah, both of them said that. Yeah, Andrea and Glenn. Right, and then and the fact that he's kind of sitting there and, and saying, "Well, there's, do you think his people come looking for him?" Like, "Well, they said they came looking for me." I think he's starting to really believe that, and maybe he's starting to hmm. rethink. Uh, his relationship with the governor and the fact that his brother is out there kicking ass with 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 Rick and yeah, I mean I don't I, I wouldn't I would have said there was going to be an epic confrontation between Glenn and Merle coming up, Gl- Daryl and Merle. I'm sorry, Daryl okay, and Mer- yeah. Merle coming up. Now I kind of think there's a very strong chance of Merle joining Daryl. It's possible. Like I wouldn't have said that until this episode. <laughs> but, sure, yeah. But you know the the governor, um, kind of fearful for his own power and berating Merle. These are, you know, the opposite of the things he's done to get Merle built up into this leadership position. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue in the next scene because here he's questioning Merle's loyalty. Uh, this is a scene where he basically says this prison that you said couldn't be taken was taken by a group of 10 people with your brother at its core. And he's like, well, they're, he's like, ah, she's probably lying. He's like, Oh, well then we've got a sizable <laughs> force right in her backyard. Neither yeah. one of these, potentials is particularly appealing to me maybe they got 10 badasses or an army of competent people <laughs> yeah neither one is good uh and it, this scene is where i was questioning earlier like merle's loyalty towards his his fellow right uh guards because he uh the governor sends out a scouting party and conspicuously leaves out merle here right he's like merle you're staying you're punished you're going to the corner right uh for 10 minutes and these guys are going out scouting and, uh, and it's visible on Merle's face. He doesn't like that. No, no, no. Especially when the governor kind of rubs it in. Like, you know, I'm questioning. I'm open to yeah. question your loyalty, even though you've given me absolutely no reason to do so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you stayed with me when you want to go look for your brother, blah, blah, blah. The music that kicks in right about here. Yeah, when they're cutting back and forth between the wall it's, and the governor. It's like this pulse. It's like the, the, the pulse of the show. It's just throbbing. It, I wasn't sure if it was the music or if it was in my brain because of how this episode played out. I was just like, 
honestly, Shell shocked it's by very it. Breaking Bad. They, it's almost yeah. like industrial, mm-hmm. just just almost noise more than music. Yeah, yeah. But, but in a rhythm. Um. So the governor sends out a I think scouting you just party. Describe music. <laughs> Kind of like a noise, but in a rhythm. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Uh, uh, not an instrument. Congratulations, though. you independently discovered music. <laughs> Eureka! I'm going to be rich. Now we just need to find a cave to paint. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, so in this scene, the governor sends out the scouting party, like I said. Which I also Do love you... that, the fact that he's like, we ought to get to jump on these people. And, and right. as Rick and, and his people outside. are circling, encircling them. That's what I was going to say. Do you think Rick... And company are going to spot the scouting party and follow them out and just take them out. I don't know. I kind of think they're going to roll up in there and regulate. Yeah? Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Either way, I'm happy. Uh, And it was interesting how Andrea is just on the other side of the wall here. Oh, the way they... had she not been jumping over the wall and stabbing walkers in the head two episodes ago... She would have seen this. She might have seen that. And and I actually They would have seen her, for sure. Yeah, and how they kept on switching from that perspective to Andrea's, and then when the governor's talking about Daryl and Merle's loyalty, they flashed a Daryl sneaking in. It's like, really skillfully done. Yeah, very cool. Uh, The final scene is Andrea going back to the governor's house, pouring herself a drink... And uh, getting the big embrace from the governor. Now, what do you think the, the governor? Because he had a long kind of uh, catatonic stare into the camera. He's worried. I think that so was too. worry on his face. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Next episode should be big. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm excited. Anything else to say about this episode before I do the Survivor of the Week? No, I, I think I can predict both. <laughs> All right, idiot, oh, survivor. idiot survivor. I don't know, but I can. I think I can predict the uh, the, kill. Um, the kill. All right, idiot survivor of the week. I'm giving it to Milton slash Poindexter for uh, releasing the dude's arms. Oh, I was going to give it to Cabin Boy. <laughs> Why give it to him? Because he's a com- he's an obvious idiot. <laughs> I don't know how he survived. All right, and, uh, and Milton has plenty of time to earn another. I'm yeah, sure yeah, yeah. Will. This yeah. guy needs, so, okay. you know, he's, he doesn't have a lifetime award because his lifetime was exactly 30 <laughs> seconds. Fine, he can have it. All right. Congratulations, <laughs> you're an idiot. Uh, zombie kill of the week? What do you think? Uh, gotta be Glenn. Oh, definitely, with yeah. the armchair you, kill. I would have quit the podcast and protest. <laughs> so awesome, man. Yeah, it's... I, it wasn't a particularly gruesome or awesome kill, necessarily, but the way it happened, like... The lead up to it. And the action was well shot. Very, Very well shot. clear, well choreographed, believable. Yeah. You know, I really believe that he did slowly tear that chair apart uh-huh. and then he had like woo, weapons. Yeah. Yeah. And he had the duct tape armor too. It reminded me so. of yeah, exactly the unstoppable <laughs> duct tape. It reminded me of that scene from The Protector. Oh, yeah. Right? The elephant bone. Where he stri- stripes that. Stri- uh-huh. By the way, if you like <laughs> Kung Fu action you've got to check out tony ja and the protector the movie's ludicrous mm-hmm. fast forward until you see two maniacs fighting in a room full of water with fire in the background yeah and then that that 15 minute stretch is like the best yeah kung fu action from, i've ever seen from there till the end of the movie is awesome at least a hundred guys get their arms <laughs> legs and other large joints wrecked yeah enough to keep an orthopedic wing of a hospital busy for years just on those <laughs> cases they created and enough to keep me laughing oh for yeah 20 minutes you can't like we've shown this to men women children <laughs> you uh, dogs there's there'll, there'll be a point where you just can't help but laugh yeah. at how awesome and, and ludicrous and it ludicrous is. it yeah. is and it just keeps on getting 
better, worse, funnier, oh, whatever. Man. All right. Well, that's the uh, synopsis for this episode and for The Protector. Should <laughs> we go ahead and get to the feedback? I think we should. All right. Uh, we're trying something new this week. Uh, Jim got a little crafty. He started a, a subreddit for you Redditors out there for our network, reddit.com slash r slash baldmove. We're going to try, and we, we kind of just want to see, I'm going to post something on this episode, uh, our podcast episode, uh, you know, as we, we release it in, in concurrent with that. Mm-hmm. And we kind of see just how much activity we get. Um, and we're trying to decide how to, to utilize this and, and maybe integrate it into our, our website. But it's got uh, a lot of, you know, Facebook kind of sucks for well, sharing stuff because when right, people, yeah. you have to go to like three clicks to see posts from other users, and it's hard to build a real community unless I'm constantly making threads for people to comment on. And not all of our stuff goes out to all of our users on Facebook anymore. Yeah, Facebook is policies. Facebook are being dicks. I mean, our so. uh, you know, they, they, we've gone back and forth, but we our reach has kind of really fluctuated on the whims of of Mark uh, Zuckerberg of Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah. So um, I honestly think that. They're going to probably have to undo that. Probably because so many people are mad about it. Not just mad. I mean, people don't give a shit if it if if people are mad about something um, as long as they keep paying for it. Mm, but yeah. if you vote, like I I laughed out loud when I saw how much they wanted to charge me to to just advertise the people who have already liked and subscribed to my content. Okay. If I wanted to subscribe to the people that they're friends with, I was like, I can understand paying for that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you're pushing an advertisement out to somebody. Yeah. But this is information that people presumably want. Yeah, they wanted to see on their timeline or why did they like it. Yeah. And I'm, they're charging me big people money for that. I just think that <laughs> – and I, I know Mark Cuban posted something. It was like ridiculous, like thirty grand for the Mavericks Whoa. to post something to everyone that liked the Mavericks. Because they got millions of people to like it. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, fuck them. Yeah. This is – you know, the, you are no longer a useful tool to me. And the yeah. only reason Facebook makes money is because we all find the tool useful and we all share content and we mm-hmm. do all their social media crap and presumably that somehow makes some magic money. Yeah. Charging for that, it'd be like if twi- Twitter started charging 25 cents a tweet. Yeah. It would destroy the service overnight. Completely. Yeah. So. So Reddit it is. I mean, uh, that's kind of the latest social network anyway. Um, and it should help us, like, aggregate our feedback a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it will also help the the best feedback rise to the top because what we really want is people to go in there post their feedback questions and comments for us um and maybe mark them as such and then for people other people to go in and up or downvote those so that we can see like okay what's the best feedback that we need to address yeah our dream scenario is if we got away from all i mean we're still going to use the other social media for other things but like you know move all of our interactive feedback to there because and then it's 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 self-moderated you know if people want to hear if you have a really good uh, take it's going to get moderated to the top and then the kind of redundant stuff that you know we get like seven or eight emails or people just saying yeah it's a really cool episode a really sucked episode that's probably not going to get upvoted sure so I don't know if it's going to, you know, all we do is we throw stuff out there and see what sticks. Yeah. So enough about that. A uh, little bit of old feedback before. Uh, Mike B had a re- mini review of a video game, uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, kind of choose your own adventure from th- uh, Telltale Games. I'm three episodes in, so, so don't spoil the last I, this two. Is spoiler free. <laughs> okay. He says he just got done playing the final episode of the Telltale Walking Dead game. Um, it's a choose-your-own-adventure-style gameplay. It all finally pays off in the end. All the choices made throughout the game actually 
even the most insignificant ones, had drastic consequences in the final chapter. It really felt like your choices mattered in the previous chapters. Not a lot of action, but to have all the relationships conclude was nice, and the ending was very touching. He even cried a little, he says. All in all, it was a great experience, and I'll definitely play again, and I can't wait for Series 2. I saw this at uh, PAX Prime in Seattle. Yeah, and it looks amazing. The, it is. the the art style is really cool. I know you've played the first two uh, episodes. Just got through the third one. Oh, so, so yeah. you're you're on board with the recommendation too? Oh hell yeah! It's it's amazing. I had played number one, um, maybe maybe like six months ago or something, and even then I would have recommended it. It's so just gotten is that, better. Uh, PS3, Xbox, and PC. Uh, yeah, you can get it on, on Steam. Steam. Uh-huh. How that's, much is an episode? Uh, I think all the episodes are thirty bucks. So divide that by five. It's oh, like six okay. Bucks. And I think they're going to come out with a commercial release, like in December. They are, yeah. like the the whole thing up on a disc and if a big you buy collector's it. edition with the the compendium mm. in it. So we're not getting any money for this, unless no. you would you know get it off our Amazon that ball move that com link. But yeah. it's a cool game, and we got a review on it, so it's good to talk about it. Uh, Joe H from Seattle, friend of the show, uh, said, "I can't stop thinking about the Notebook, and I have a theory." He's talking about the Governor's Notebook. I think the hash marks are a running tally of how many people are killed by the governor's goon squad. It seems to me that for the governor to keep the kind of control he has in Mayberry uh, is to maintain a small, manageable population, only letting in the ones he deems beneficial to the society and ghosting the rest, like the National Guard dudes. The sheer volume of hash marks is a direct correlation to how batshit crazy he is and how far he's willing to go to maintain that control. A Mayberry is really a prison, and the actual prison is now a sanctuary. Mayberry... <laughs> What is this? The Andy Woodbury. Griffith show? I'm, that's, <laughs> sorry. Um, I didn't catch that in the editing. What do you think about that take? Uh, I like it. Not bad. I think it conflicts with the absent-minded way in which he was doing it in the previous episode. Oh. Like he's just kind of hatch, 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 hatch. Yeah, you don't think he was counting up the National Guard guys? Or There's not that many. I mean. Yeah, there were only like eight of them. Yeah, and he was just kind of like hatch, 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 hatch. I don't, I don't know what those hatch marks represent. Um, Joe's guess here is as good as any. It's possible. Yep. Dan W. out of Chi-Town said, I had a different read than you guys on the scene of Daryl destroying Carol's knife in the corridor. Okay, so it's weird mm. they'd be reluctant to open the door early in the sequence. The one that's being weakly pushed out from the inside, isn't it? He's looking for Carol's body, presumably, and as a rational person, he knows she's probably dead, but there's still the stupid, nagging hope that she might be found alive. I think you realize this. If there was a Zed in that room, and also the thing he was looking for, namely Carol... Either she'd be ripped apart and or devoured, or she is the walker pushing out the door. Yeah. The rational thing is to open the door and eliminate the threat inside, but he simply can't. He's not ready to see either of the possibilities behind the door, so he moves on. It's like Schrodinger's zombie. <laughs> nice. When he finds Carol's knife jammed in the face of the still biter, he has to conclude that she got close, missed the kill shot, and this guy bit and or ate her. Later, he hasn't found her remains, and they seem to have cleared the rest of the area. The only conclusion that what seems to be a walker pushing at the door must be Carol. He's sitting in the hallway destroying a knife because she won't need any more. The probability of Carol being behind the door and actually still alive is absurdly tiny. No rational person would believe it. He thinks he knows finally for sure that she's not coming back. He's going to have to pull the door open and see Carol as the walking dead, and then he'll have to shoot her. So he thinks that that was him working himself up to that inevitability. Yeah. And he's saying that's that's an example of good writing. So Mm -hmm. if they intended that... Uh, I didn't get that on the first watching, but as he described it, I'm like, that seems perfectly – it would have been nice if he had said something like, 
I don't want to see there if if Carol's in there, she's a zombie. You know, I don't know, but yeah. I guess that would be that them us doing the shit that we say we don't like, which is telling rather than showing. It did seem silly though that a guy as badass as Daryl would not know better than to have a possible walker at his back. Yes, going forward, which he mentioned in the email too. I, I kind of edited okay. that. Out. Yeah. Uh, Scott from South Jersey said he wonders why these different survivor groups don't send in a few teams of guys out to obtain necessities, such as tractor trailers, both freight and fuel tanker, which can be used to move fuel from stations, refiners in the area and supplies from any major chain store. Uh, I've never been to Atlanta, but is it not in America? Is there not a Costco <laughs> and Target on every corner? Fuck a trip to Costco might make you want to live there. Fuck Woodbury. Truck stops would also be a great place to find supplies, both inside and in the trucks in the lot. I just feel like they keep acting as if they are in the south and it's Detroit or Baghdad. I know there's a Walmart and a Buffalo Wild Wings two towns over. This is what I say all the time, too. Uh Like, if you're talking 90% of the civil population dead, there's so much shit Mm -hmm. that even accounting for looting, it's gone somewhere. And you've got dry goods and canned goods and ammunition and all this other stuff that should be cornucopias waiting all these uh-huh. sam's clubs all these costcos all these fucking walgreens i mean jesus christ the walgreens all the drugs <laughs> and antibiotics yeah and the cans of food they're always fucking around with the these like ancient cereal. looking general stores like don't they yeah. have a costco uh, they're way out of atlanta at this point apparently yeah <laughs> I, there's nothing yeah i just i mean even piddly ass towns like spencer indiana have a big fucking walmart yeah I well, mean, the the zombie uh, extremist alarm bells are going off in my head saying those are the first places to get looted, right? Not Everybody a 90- thinks of that. Fine. Yeah. So where does it – so 90% of people die. Let's say 50% yeah. looted it, but then they died too. The, where is 10% this shit? of the population can't carry off all that no. food. Or I get they, what you're saying. Yeah. It's squirreled somewhere in uh-huh. people's houses or, you know, it doesn't just – you know, looting doesn't make it go poof. Yeah. Yeah. So it's got to be somewhere, and I just think that it's right. There's so much shit in any in de- mm-hmm. developed country that if you had a death rate the way we're talking about, you just – you know, for the first couple of years, you'd just be able to scavenge. You couldn't stop like. finding food. It seems like it. Yeah. You wouldn't be reduced to eating dog food. Gotcha. Or if so, that's a perfect example of something that wouldn't fucking be scavenged probably. <laughs> True. And you can live dog very food. well off dog food if you're in that <laughs> dire scenario. Dog food and a Chianti and you're good. <laughs> That's what I'm getting you for Christmas. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you're right. All right. Jason C. says, I can't believe you guys haven't seen Sopranos. This show kicked off all that is great TV we now have. He doubts personally that Breaking Bad would exist without it. I agree. Besides, yeah. it's made for you guys. Smart, a bit arty, funny as hell, and coarse. I know, man. I know. I've tried twice to get through season one, so, and I just haven't had the fortitude. My hero, Alan Seppenwall, uh just released a book. And he says the same thing, that the golden age of television was, you know, you can see some precursors and stuff in the 80s and early 90s, <laughs> like Hill Street Blues and Homicide, Life or in the Mash in the Yeah, but, but it really kicked off the high def, high concept, episodic, um, yeah. not episodic, uh, what do you call that? Um, serialized? Serialized yeah. fiction was born there with both, um, he says, Oz and Sopranos. Oh. And if it wasn't for the success of those, we wouldn't have Breaking Bad and Mad Men. Probably. And all the others that, you know, we, we cover today. So um, I agree. I It's on my list. It I is on my list. To it. I've just heard that because it was such an infancy stage and was a pioneer that it's super uneven. 
Like, so it was good for the time, but maybe doesn't hold up now. Whitlock and Simmons all the time say, if you binge watch Sopranos, you'll be like, my God, there's a lot of bullshit. Like, you didn't get that oh. when you were just kind of watching and absorbed. And, but when you go back for a rewatch, unlike things like The Wire and Breaking Bad and huh. Mad Men, where you really gain further appreciation, it's almost like they really slacked off in some of those episodes. So that's another reason why yeah. I'm not super excited to get back to it. And maybe why I wasn't into it, because I did binge watch it. Did you? Yeah, like yeah. six, seven episodes at a time. Um, I wish, because like, I came up with a, if you go to baldmove.com um, and search for Justified, I did a, a Justified Primer, mm-hmm. because we say the first season of Justified super uneven. <laughs> yeah. And I said, here are the things, if you're a, com- if, if you're a complete, just watch the whole thing. If you're kind of leery, you need to see these three episodes to prime yourself for season mm-hmm. two, which is fantastic. Yeah. And if you kind of in between, then consider picking up these three episodes. I wish someone would do that for Sopranos for me. Yeah. So that'd in, be great. in the first five seasons, these are the must see episodes. Watch those set pieces for the most important character developments. And then, you know, I, I, I really wish someone would do that. Yeah. So. Hop on it, people. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, Ruben from Boston says, I started laughing hysterically when Michonne called the governor a Jim Jones type. <laughs> Have you been moonlighting, Jim? Don't tell Liam Neeson. Don't forget, charming and uh, pretty boy. Pretty boy. Oh, pretty boy is a little think, derogatory, though. I do believe I've called you that on several occasions <laughs> in this podcast. It, it, it's a little derogatory. Why? Uh, you think pretty boy has, like, kind of wussy connotations to it. And I, I mean, I'm not the most manly man around, but... I don't know. You got to use it. It's like I, I, I work the rugged hunk of masculine at the angle. <laughs> the full Riker. Yeah. If, if you're if if you <laughs> if you're blessed with the pretty boy, you got to go with the pretty Fair boy. Fair enough. Stuff. Yeah. Um, on to the new stuff. James F. Cuby says, "I think Rick's embrace of Carol is a little deeper than just being happy to see her again. He feels it's kind of like getting Lori back in some weird way. Did you get that vibe?" Kind of like getting Lori back in some weird way. Yeah, kind of like a redemption. Like, it's not all... You know, he had a psychotic break. Uh, Everything was all lost. But uh, now he sees his daughter's healthy. And, and Carol's, Carol's back. back. It's like, you know, the Lord giveth, Lord taketh away. Uh, maybe to some small degree. But I think he's still broken up about Lori. Uh, the Captain Albano said, I have much, so much more respect for Rick's group now that the Woodbury group is so impressed with their skills. Um, I have a loving, tender feeling for their closeness and ferocity. Are you more appreciative of Rick's group of badasses now that they're getting some props from the Woodbury group? Yeah, and it certainly helps that, like you said earlier in the podcast, they seem to be a very tight-knit group now. Mm-hmm. I mean, every member of this group, feel, well, except for maybe Beth, nobody cares about her, uh, feels like a player. Feels like they need to be there to support each other. Well, and this town is kind of like an egg. It's got this tough exterior but the inside's gooey i mean the vast majority of those people they're fucking rollerblading and playing with their dogs (laughs) in the grass aren't not going to know what the hell happens when rick's commando team comes in when a flashbang comes over the wall yeah right (laughs) what is the black haired uh (laughs) girl in the bed gonna do yeah uh when some psycho ninja with a sword and a redneck with a crossbow (laughs) and a sheriff throwing flashbangs comes rolling up on you i mean the guys on the wall you got to worry about, but mm-hmm. the citizens of Woodbury are soft. They're not battle-tested yeah. like. I mean, fucking Carl could handle the citizens of this town. Oh, easily, yeah. Uh, Scott C. says Axel is O for the last two episodes. Everything's Oscar's a new T-Dog. Axel begs to differ. Yeah, Axel volunteered for the commando run <laughs> and somehow missed the cut. 
Yeah, and they never address it. Yeah, they don't he's say, like, no, you can't come. You need I'll, to stay he's here. He's like, I'll go, man. It sounds like Attica on speed, and then and Rick's they're like, leaving no. Carl in charge, <laughs> even though Axel is there. What a slap in the face! I know. Uh, Juwan TD says, uh, did anyone notice the look Michonne gave the T Dog 2.0 when he was killing that Walker? Was it lust? I did what? Did oh, you notice I didn't, that? I didn't notice anything. No. I did both times. She gives him this kind of like hungry look when Ooh. he was uh, slaughtering the zombies. Like the wolf. Hungry like the wolf. We'll see how that develops. <laughs> D. Candlish says, how did Merle know that Maggie was the farmer's daughter? I doubt they were having a chat about their histories on the way to Woodbury. I have a theory on this. What's your first thought? My theory is Andrea. That's yep. my theory. Because she knew all about this relationship, yeah. and he props. She, you know, I'm sure Merle pumped her from information more than what we just got to see, and they seem to be pretty friendly. So why wouldn't yeah. she talk about the group? And if Merle didn't pump her for information, the governor certainly did. Right. Uh, Jesse B says, I can't help but think that Glenn and Maggie would have been better off if they'd actually brought Merle back to prison. The prison group is 10, Merle is 1. They could have taken him and treated him much the same way they did Michonne. And I believe Daryl's smart enough to realize that even though Merle's his brother, that it'd be strange to just come upon him out in the wild like that. And that he had tried to kidnap part of Rick's crew. Yeah, but I don't think it... I mean, Merle obviously was planning on taking them hostage the whole time. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree so, with that, but how would he have so, done So that? if it played out that instead of Glenn's like, you stay here, stay back, we're going to go take off to the prison... If he'd just been like, uh, get on your knees, turn around, I mean, it, the same thing would have happened, I, I feel like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, Natalie Taylor said, the governor's creepy, specifically with repeating to Andrea in his arms what he did to Maggie just before giving her back to Glenn. I didn't catch that. <laughs> it's the exact same dialogue. Is like it? The, yeah, like, you know, the way he like, pets her hair and he's like, there, there, it's all right now. He wow. says that, and he says that to Andrea. Creepy. <laughs> uh, she says it's creepy, but it doesn't scare me yet. The show appears to be going down the soft route, so they can't say they're drawing much emotion from me. Maybe she's. Uh, she says maybe I've been hardened by watching all of season one and some of season two of Game of Thrones in the last two days. Though <laughs> makes the governor seem like a regular puss cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like if King Joffrey was uh, was presiding over Woodbury. Holy shit! Wow, they wouldn't be mock fights to the death. Let's no. just start with there. And uh, that would have become a rape scene for sure. It would have become Rex. Yeah. yeah. All the scenes with the governor, with women in his bed, it wouldn't be consensual no. sex. It would be something else. Scepter <laughs> rape. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Joshua B says, I thought it was supremely idiotic for Merle and the governor to take an entire episode to threaten Glenn or Maggie in front of each other. Why waste time beating up Glenn, throw a zombie with him, or threatening Maggie with rape? These are either the worst interrogators in the world or the writers felt the need to insert some action skin to kill time with Rick and company or while Rick and company made their way to the town. Thoughts? What was the first part of that? He thought it was stupid that Merle and the governor wasted the whole episode threatening Glenn or Maggie in front of each other. I think that's interrogation 101. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're playing their attachment to each other. He's not beating – he's not wasting time. He's beating up Glenn so that Maggie hears it. Yeah. He's threatening Maggie with rape. So then when they bring them together, the threat – like if they had just done that at the beginning and held a gun, there's like, oh, you're bluffing. Yeah. But by slowly amping up the, you know, psychoticness of this, <laughs> it uh, – I feel as a more effective interrogation technique. Philip Z said, overcompensating Rick is even less fun than beta male Rick. Uh, squeezing Michonne's gunshot wound when yes. she didn't immediately answer his questions did nothing to build any bonds of trust with this strange woman who showed up on the doorstep carrying baby formula. He also blamed Rick for the mess in the cabin to shut in. 
what I think with both of these incidents is that Rick isn't acting with the same level-headedness that generally level-headedness that generally made him an effective leader. Certainly more so than the erratic Shane. And if he doesn't get his act together, he could become a liability to the group. I agree. That was that was bizarre. Uh, one thing we didn't talk about when we mentioned that scene, though, and he brought up, is the baby formula. Right. Michonne rolls up with the bag of baby formula that Glenn and Maggie were well, trying Rick, to get. Rick mentioned that. Yeah, but we didn't talk about it. Oh, okay. Uh, in our in our recap. Right. So she was obviously bringing the olive branch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> At least to a, some degree. I do think her own pissy nature got uh, in the way a little bit, and Rick just wasn't in the mood. He's like, "Where the fuck enough. are my people?" Uh, Philip Z continues. Uh, why is Michonne going on the mission? If she's trying to earn a place at the dictatorship, you'd think she'd be more forthcoming with information, like mentioning that there's a woman she traveled with for eight months who's at Woodbury, or giving them information on the guy who abducted their friends. This did drive me a little crazy. It seems like Andrea's talked about Rick and Daryl and Carl, and she would mm-hmm. min- recognize these people and be like, hey, I know your girl Andrea. It's this slow dribbling out of information. Why? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, like I said before, I just feel like she played it wrong. Convenient for them. Natalie T says Michonne probably trusts Rick more than the governor precisely because he's openly hostile, which is far more believable in the crazy world they live than the governor's fake nicey. <laughs> okay, good point. Yeah. Um, let's see. We're going to talk about this a little bit. Jesse B says I'm kind of annoyed at Milton's experiment in episode seven. The zombie memory thing has a conflicting viewpoint since season one. First, Morgan's wife tries to unlock the door. Then at the CDC, Jenner tells the people everyone the person was before they they die is all gone. Then there's the zombie girl who picked up her doll in the pilot episode. Are they uh, abandoning all evidence that zombies do, in fact, retain some of their memories on a subconscious level? Or are they just fucking with us? Good question. I feel like zombies in shamble mode operate on a totally different level than zombies in bloodlust mode. Like when they're when, mode, when they they're just, just eat you. yeah when they're just roaming around in a herd and just not even reacting to stimuli just just oh, kind yeah, of yeah. in like standby mode mm-hmm. they can have flashes of just repetitive behavior that you know because they're neur- if you look at that brain scan you'll see like random neurons do fire yeah and I yeah. feel like if if in the right situation when they're not distracted by meat uh-huh. that like you know they 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 see their old house and that neuron might ping and they might want to go towards it. Mm. Or, you know, they see the teddy bear and they, you know, one of those neurons that had a positive association would ping. But when they're in meat mode, you're not going to get any of that stuff, yeah. which is, again, why I was annoyed with the whole setup of the experiment. Yeah, no, I like it. Uh, Craig P says, is it official? Or no, it's official Andrea's entered Skylar White, Brenda Chinwell with Christina Braverman territory of hate. I don't recognize any of the Brenda or Christina references. The, the last two, yeah, I don't, I don't get either. Uh, it's yeah. getting a little too goddamn convenient she has not discovered the governor's crazy yet. Um, Why? Yeah, again, what is she? The only thing she's seen that's kind of crazy is that zombie fight, which she then admitted that she liked. Right, which that you know, whatever. But he's like uh, mock dialogue. Here, you stay here and recreate Day of the Dead with Poindexter while I go rape your friends. <laughs> that no, no the I go happened. rape your friends. That part was <laughs> not in communicated. Yeah, the like, heads and the how is Andrew supposed to know at this point? You she, know, she can't. In my I opinion. will say, where is the governor holding his daughter? Is it? Is it I'm know, starting right. to openly question whether it's actually in his apartment, except for we saw him there with her. Yes, we did. Like it is a little much for me to think that Andrea's all but moved in with this dude, and she hasn't seen the fish tank nor the daughter. 
or heard yeah, evidence. Yeah, I, I mean, she must be on the other side of that fish tank room. Maybe she's got to be. She can't be just behind a door because you would smell it. Yeah. Uh, Emma says, "Did you notice after the dude in the shack was fed to the zombies, there was a commercial that said brought to you by KFC?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, we already talked about that. We did. Um, also, the governor didn't go into much of a good cop before he turned into rape cop pretty quickly. Did he not believe his buddy-buddy routine would work? I just felt like he could have tried harder and it might have worked. Maggie is, after all, a pretty sweet girl. I had the same point, but I feel like letting Merle run the interrogation for the first half fucked all that up. Oh, yeah, because like she heard it. That instantly put her into a hardened defensive posture. Yeah, good point. Uh, Adam McGinn brags, I haven't gotten a Hardwick preview since episode three. Yay for living in Canada. (laughs) Hey, he's toned it down. It's now he's just doing ridiculous hashtags still, which he had the the misfortune of coming in with his ridiculous hashtag right at like team Rick, right after the mock rape scene. Uh, yeah, that just doesn't, I don't understand. There's, there are commercial breaks where they could lead that in. Or maybe sure. maybe you do it at the tail end. There's I mean, I just, don't, something's got to be swap the KFC and the Chris Hardwick commercial yeah. breaks, and you're good. Yeah. So. Although I don't really want to associate KFC with the near rape of a girl either. <laughs> That's probably the issue. Like after those rough scenes, no one wants to be the advertiser mm. right after it. Bring on Chris Hardwick. Mm. He's the fall guy. Uh, Ryan R says this probably goes out saying, but I think things are going to come to a head soon between the governor and Merle. I like this take. First, the governor wouldn't let Merle go out to find Daryl a few episodes back. Last week, Merle didn't finish the job of killing Michonne and lied to the governor about it. Finally, this week, there were several moments of possible friction between the two. Merle looked annoyed that the governor said he would interrogate Maggie after Merle failed to get the prison's location out of Glen. Mm -hmm. Later, the governor confronts Merle about his loyalty between Woodbury and Daryl. While Daryl says his loyalty lies with Woodbury, he didn't say it with much conviction, and he lingered in the room after he and Caesar were dismissed as if he had said so- had something else to say. Uh, so I guess Brownie is Caesar. Caesar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brownie's probably just what Merle calls him in a racist That's what I – yeah, right. He's got yeah. brown skin, so he's Brownie. Jeez. Um, finally, I felt like Merle had a strange expression on his face when he looked back at Glenn and Maggie as they were reunited. Agreed. I may be reading way too much in this, but almost like as he thought the governor had gone too far with Maggie. I know we've been conditioned up to this point to think of Merle as scum of the earth, but I wonder if he does have some good left in him. See Darth Vader. I wonder if it'd be more interesting to see Merle's redemption in this point uh, rather than his ultimate demise. That said, he'd be just as happy to see Rick, Lynn, Michonne, or Daryl split a skull. Like you said, they've kind of hinted at that. They could go that way. I'm mixed about what he thought when he looked at Glenn and Maggie, because on the one hand... You know, some of these some of these guys that are like super racist, fucking violent psychopaths have surprising you know soft streaks when it comes to like women and children. Huh. So maybe. Okay. On the other hand, if he's a white supremacist, mm-hmm. I would think that he would see Maggie as a race traitor for sleeping with the Chinaman as he would say. Yeah. A Korean guy. So like I don't know what to think about, you know, I don't know. I mean, they certainly have hinted that he could possibly be redeemed. Something. I mean, they toned down the racism for sure a little bit. It's come back a little bit, too. Um, but there was something a few episodes ago that also made me think that. Right. Uh, the way he interacted with Andrea yeah, uh, that the first few genuine. times around. Yeah, it seemed like – and the way he did have this attachment to the governor, and now that's kind of falling to the side, like uh, the guy says in the email. Mm-hmm. I-, I could see it happening. Uh, well, that's the last of the feedback. 
Um, okay. Ready to initiate the outro secret sequence? <laughs> the outro secrets. Secrets. They are secrets. secrets if, you, if you want to keep them secrets, don't stick around past the outro. But, yeah, do the and outro. And, again, we've got the graduated spoiler sections. We're going to play the music. That's the clear dividing line between spoilers yes. and non-spoilers. We're going to do some light casting news, some comic book speculation, and then the hardcore spoilers. So if you want to stay through the first half of that, feel free to do so. I'll give you enough uh, warning. Um, we are part of the Ball Move Network. You can find all of our content at ballmove.com, including our full coverage of The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and the latest seasons of Mad Men, Justified, and Breaking Bad. And don't forget our newest affiliates, the Personal Arrogance crew out of Seattle. This week they talked about Skyfall, the latest James Bond oh, movie, yeah. and they spoiled the shit out of it. So <laughs> yeah. if you've seen the movie, check it out. If not, maybe put it on your playlist for after you've seen it. Uh, they talked Halo 4, non-spoilery. Uh, they talked about uh, Rihanna's disastrous fan uh, source tour. <laughs> seven days, seven cities, uh, seven, I don't know. Of constant hell. Like denied bathroom breaks, denied food and water. Yeah. Wow. Given the full Woodbury treatment, Rihanna. Wow. And the uh, news from NASA. They got some mysterious yeah. Martian news they're talking about. So check that out. Uh, you can send us feedback at watchingdeadatballmove.com. Like me on Facebook.com slash BaldMove. Follow Jim over at Twitter.com slash BaldMove. During the live airing of the episode on Eastern Standard Time, we do... I'm live tweeting. She does live tweets, and I do live threads on Facebook. It's a gas. Uh, we always appreciate reviews and ratings on iTunes. It's the single biggest thing that drives traffic to our cast. So yeah. um, it might not feel like it, but five seconds of clicking some stars and putting a few words can mean the difference between us being on the... You know what's hot list and getting uh, you know more fans or us staying off that list and being sad face pandas. So we appreciate that. You can also use our Amazon affiliate link at amazon.ballmove.com. They've got some insane deals between now and Christmas. Uh, I'm doing majority of my Christmas shopping online this year, and if you're doing that as well, uh, please use the amazon.ballmove.com link. It costs you nothing. Um, and it gives us a few pennies for each transaction, and that helps pay for our bandwidth costs and all, you know. Pays for my heat. I rub them together. It <laughs> keeps my place nice and warm. You rub a copper together. Oh, yeah. You can generate some real heat. You'd be surprised. Oh, yeah. Um, and tell a friend. You got some workmates and classmates or uh, friends and shipmates. family. Shipmates. Whatever kind of mates you've got, tell them about our cast. We appreciate having them on board. That's all I got. Are we ready for spoilers? Let's do it. Uh, thanks for listening this week. And as always, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. back with the spoiler section go ahead and run the promo for next week next sunday on the mid-season finale of the walking dead what about glenn and the girl the longer they're here the more chance andrew will find out my brother ain't gonna cry i need you come on you have to leave her she's leading such a Looks like another barn burner. Ooh, <laughs> I'm questioning where Daryl's loyalties lie.
Yeah, they're really playing the angle hard. Yeah, he's my brother. Yeah, and uh, I actually managed to avoid reading the spoilers. I pasted them into my outline, but I'm kind of going into them quasi-virginally, so we'll see how this goes. Again, we're going to start uh, with a little bit of casting news up front. Um, James P. is the first one to send this to me on Facebook. The Walking Dead cast... Chad Coleman from The Wire. He played Cuddy on The Wire. The kind of the gangster that had been in prison for a while comes back, decides he's not, he's had enough of it. Man, I'm going to spoil the shit out of The Wire. I'll stop there. <laughs> he's awesome. And if I had to pick a guy to play Tyrese, which if you're yeah. not familiar with the comics, he's a very much a fan favorite. He is like he walks player. walks out of the. I mean, he's. He's a legitimate badass. He's yeah. got a presence, a charisma to him. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. That guy is. And I just, again, love it. So um, I didn't. I thought that we were never going to see Tyrese. I thought that they had yeah. just kind of – I thought that they meant maybe T-Dog to be Tyrese. And I kind of think that they <laughs> did intend T-Dog to be Tyrese. But then he just wanted – too much. Too many lines? Yeah, too many lines. Uh, but I, I feel like that from what I've heard from Seppenwall and some other sources that for whatever reason, Iron E. Singleton was difficult to work with or, you know, the production crew didn't like him. So he was – T-Dog was phased out and they're actually going to get around to making Tyrese Tyrese. <laughs> so that's All my right. that's my speculation on that. Uh, we're going to move a little bit deeper into these spoilers now. So if you want to stay completely unspoiled, uh, check out now. We still got a few more to read before we get to the megawatt spoilers. Um, Adam McGinn said, I uh, want to know if we think that they will cut off Glenn's hand. I know Kirkman said that he hated that he did that to Rick, and it was the single biggest mistake he made in The Walking Dead. Hmm. But it made us hate the governor so much that it could be useful in changing our current opinion on him. Um they hinted at it this episode. There's a lot of foreshadowing yeah. about Glenn maybe being the choppy, mm-hmm. and I could that that sure would polarize the fan base against the governor. I think that oh, yeah. he's probably already there after this episode. This was earlier in the week when we got this email. Um, what do you think? But, I mean, he is certainly not depicted as the menace that he is in the comic book. Well, in the comic, right. he's a one-dimensional, psychotic, must literally mustache-twirling, yeah. crazy person. Yeah, but he hasn't yet done the worst of the worst. No, um, not as even far as the close. Comic book yeah, so what I'm saying is it needs to get a little worse before they they deal with the governor. Yeah, I mean, right off the bat in the comic book, the governor chops off <laughs> Rick's hand and feeds it to zombies. Yeah. Like, That's boom, there's your introduction. So, um, yeah. Uh, Doug says, I think Andrew's going to be the stand-in for Tyrese at some point. In the comics, the governor's preparing assault on the prison, and they had Tyrese captured and demanded that they open the gates or they would kill him. Well, they didn't open the gates, and Tyrese had his head separated from his shoulders. This was partic- hmm. particularly traumatic for Michonne since she had a relationship with uh, Tyrese. I think Andrew's going to be the person who the governor kills. It would be an effective person to use to try to get Rick and crew to open the gate. And it would especially hurt Michonne to have a friend of so long killed at the hands of the governor. This could be what presses Michonne to go on her torturous, junk-nailing, poop-spoon rage, especially since they didn't seem to <laughs> seem near to pressing the rape and torture angrily. And hopefully they won't press that. Here's what I think they should do. I think they should cut off Glenn's hand, feed it to zombies, and they should have Maggie get beheaded. Mm. Because that's going to cause a lot more... Uh, angst in the prison than andrea well we're at the situation here where 
I don't want to see any of these people die. Neither do I. Because no. Andrea, while she hasn't hit yet, in the comic book, she becomes such an awesome, awesome character. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I don't want to see Michonne killed. Obviously, I don't want to see Glenn killed. I don't want to see mm-hmm. Maggie killed. I, 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 the people we have left <laughs> outside of questionably Beth and Carol, yeah. I don't want to, I think they're all interesting and I don't want to see them die, which was the brilliance of Kirkman. Mm-hmm. That he would kill fan favorite characters with enough yeah. frequency that you never felt safe. And, you know, it's like they didn't necessarily have their dramatic arcs tied up because that's what happens in real life. People die, shit happens, especially <laughs> yeah. in the zombie apocalypse. Good point. So uh, I will say that at the end of last season, there was probably three fucks that I gave about three characters. Yeah. And it's a testament to. Mazera's stewardship and in, in taking over in season three that I've kind of flipped a script on that. Yeah, we've given Mazera so much shit and made fun of him, but he's really done a phenomenal job in season three. I mean, and I'm sure he did right. a great job with what he had to work with right. going into season two. So, halfway mark. and time will tell yeah, because yeah. it's not like they haven't totally stopped doing stupid shit, but you can no, get, but it's start night to see. Day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if they make, you know, most shows make a leap between the second and third season mm. and... If they're like kind of uh, you know make a Breaking Bad leap from season three to four, then <laughs> holy shit. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, Jesse B, our man with the spoilers. I'm into this is the heavy duty. Huh. Hide your wi- hide your wives, <laughs> hide your kids. They're spoiling everybody out here. Spoiler. <laughs> okay. Um, if you don't want to hear it, you should best get those plugs out your ear holes right now because it's about to begin. Uh, this is basically a synopsis of this of the episode. I don't vouch for its accuracy, but uh, for The Walking Dead, we haven't had wrong spoilers yet. We also have another um, dude that uh, chipped in with uh, an, uh, uh, other takes. We'll see if that corroborates or refutes the spoilers we see from Jesse B. I think I've given him enough chance to shut off, so I'm proceeding. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, begins with lots of screaming in the woods. We see Tyrese and friends fight through walkers in a forest. One of the group is bitten. They stumble across the prison and debate whether to leave their injured comrade behind. Tyrese decides they'll bring her with them for now. They climb over the broken down section of the fence. And their governor shares some more sweet talk. Broken down section of the fence? We know there's a broken down section of the fence. Oh, on the other side of the prison? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, and the governor shares some more sweet talk. The governor pays a visit to Penny and sings her lullaby. He gets angry with her when she won't make eye contact and sends her back into her closet without dinner. Oh, my God. Glenn rips the bones out of the walker he fought off last episode and hands one to Maggie <laughs> for makeshift weaponry. Meanwhile, Rick's rescue party surveys the Woodbury Wall and opts to sneak in around the side. Merle and the governor plot the decimation of the prison faction and let, plan to let walkers reclaim the place to cover their tracks. Merle is concerned about Daryl, and the governor agrees to make a play for Daryl to be their inside man. Glenn and Maggie are to, to be disposed of tonight. Rick's group searches the room where Michonne was originally questioned. A Woodbury citizen catches them, but is soon neutralized, non-lethally. Comic relief moment as Axel hits on Beth and then hits on Carol when he discovers that she's not, in fact, a lesbian. (laughs) Maggie and Glenn fight off Merle and his lackey. Maggie stabs lackey in the neck with a zombie bone. Reinforcements arrive and get the better of Maggie and Glenn, who are let off with bags over their heads. The gunfire from the brief scuffle attracts Rick and crew, who ambush the execution squad with flash and smoke grenades to grab the friends. Commotion spreads through the town at this point, and the governor is alerted. Michonne sneaks off amid the chaos, heads straight for the governor's apartment, and awaits his return with sword drawn. Hmm. 
Andrew refuses to be marginalized as the gunfire spills into the streets, and she fires at the quote-unquote terrorists. Smoke grenades block her vision, and she sees only a glimpse of Oscar in prison uniform. Ugh. Daryl lays cover fire as the others escape. A random Woodbury citizen shoots and kills Oscar, obviously to make room for Tyrese. <laughs> Jesus, really? <laughs> Who's, who wrote these? Jesse B., shame on you. <laughs> uh, Rick, well, it's, it's, it's true. the Highlander It's totally shit. true, yeah. Rick hallucinates that the killer is Shane and guns him down. Maggie puts another round on Oscar to prevent him from reanimating, and the group escapes without Daryl and Michonne. Meanwhile, Carl is running things at the prison. <laughs> of course. Uh, he's a boss. And Axel is sobbing in the corner. <laughs> Beth, Herschel, and Carl hear screams coming from somewhere in the prison, and Carl goes alone to investigate. This leads him to an unsecured part of the prison where Tyrese and his friends are not doing too well. Carl leads them back to safety. Michonne hears Penny thumping around and discovers the governor's secret room. The governor comes home just in time and begs Michonne not to hurt Penny, but Michonne shows no mercy and stabs Penny through her head. A brutal fight ensues. The fish tank winds up getting crashing, winds up crashing down to the floor. Governor tries to pin Michonne's arm down in front of one of the newly liberated zombie heads who's <laughs> chomping away. Michonne reaches for his swords, but it's just out of grasp, so she opts for sharved glass instead and stabs the governor right in his She's about to finish the job when Andrea Andrea arrives with guns drawn. The two circle each other, and Andrea lets Michonne walk away while she tends the governor and surveys the room. The injured member of Tyrese's group is revealed to be Donna, uh, a minor character from the comic. She doesn't make it. Uh, Carl maneuvers out of the room and locks up Tyrese's group for the safety of his own. No mingling now. Michonne reunites with Rick. Rick isn't happy about her disappearance, but they will continue working together. The governor makes his mid-season finale speech at the Woodbury Zombie Arena. He names Merle a traitor and has his men drag Daryl into the circle, who has been captured and bound. Wait, wait, wait. The governor stabbed in the eye, not dead? No. He's just stabbed in the eye, man. <laughs> just stabbed in the eye. The eye's not a vital glass. organ. I'm assuming it's a large shard of glass that goes into his brain. Oh, no. I think the... No. No? no think, it's just a fleck? Of yeah. glass. It's just like a, a sh- like a, you know, like it's maybe a three or four inch spike. I don't know. I haven't seen <laughs> okay. the fucking episode, man. Fair enough. Jesse B, shame on you for not telling us the exact dimensions <laughs> of the shard of glass. Three by three by two. He names Merle a traitor as a men drag Daryl into the circle, captured and bound. The town chants for the brothers to be put to death. Holy shit. Wow. Uh, he had sent on a follow-up email, said even more. Tyree's group was once much larger, but it's now down to five people, including Donna who we see for the first time in episode 8. Take the names of the grain of salt. The show has diverged so far from the comics with Tyrese's group. Alan and Ben are part of the group, but Ben is much older than the comic book version. The first, the last member is a young black woman named Sasha. Her relationship to Tyrese is unknown. Tyrese is the voice of reason and leader of the group. Sasha seems to be second command uh, and has private conversations with Tyrese, challenging his decisions often, but seems like one of the good guys. Alan and Ben are going to be trouble, no doubt about it. Some of this won't be apparent until we break for the next year. I don't know where you got that stuff. We'll see. Michael D, though, has a couple, uh, another take, and these spoilers diverge quite a bit. Oh, boy. Uh, Just from what I skimmed, during the raid, Rick gets his gun bag, which Andrea had at the end of the second season. Uh, and we saw late, we saw in the last, uh, podcast or in the last episode, they, when they're panning over, Michonne is looking for a sword. She sees the sheriff bag in the corner too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oscar dies helping the group escape Woodbury during the raid. Uh, the gate at Woodbury is overrun. There are casualties, although they eventually retain control of the front with assistance from Andrea. Wind the road back from the rescue attempt. Rick and the group meet Tyrese. 
Uh, pretty much the same way and set up as the comic. Merle and Daryl confrontation is teased but not shown. The governor plots his revenge and strike on the prison, seeing Rick's group as the ultimate threat to the society he's trying to build. Uh, Morgan comes back in episode 12. So now we're getting spoilers for the new season. Next season? Uh, he's lost his grip on sanity and his return is wild, only to be a bit put down by Rick. Andrea is going to stab the governor in the eye with either a fork or a knife. Or glass. Which, that's completely different from Jesse B's spoilers. Tyrese gets his gym scene. You know what he's referring to there? No, I haven't read that far. Um, so that's the scene where they are trying to clear out the gymnasium, and they get separated from survivors, and he gets locked, and they lock him in there, and they don't think he's going to survive, and they come back days later, <laughs> and he's killed every fucking... He's hulked out. With his, with his bare hands. Nice. Um... And there's nobody else shown when Tyrese appears, but his appearance is the cliffhanger last scene for the mid-finale, which, again, is completely different. Um, hmm. I don't know who so to believe. Chris and Juliet, or Julie, which is Tyrese's daughter, don't appear in the mid-season finale. Um, I don't know what to make of these. This, There are some, they agree that Oscar dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they disagree on how the governor gets his eye gouged out. Uh, so I'm giving you both takes, and we'll see who's right on Sunday. Yeah. Put money on it. That's all the spoilers I got. Okay. Well, I certainly don't have any. All right. So that's a cast. That is a cast. That's a wrap. That is a wrap. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Cast. And we'll see you next week for the finale, the yeah. mid-season finale. I'm legitimately excited. It and feels like it flew by, right? Man, it would be a toss-up between which I'd watch in real time if I wasn't doing this cast, Boardwalk Empire or Walking Dead. Because oh. Boardwalk Empire's season finale is next week, too, and it looks like it's also... Crazy yeah. go nuts. Nice. I it's last Sunday was an awesome night to watch television. I haven't seen <laughs> Homeland. Hopefully I'll catch up on that tonight. But Walking Dead was Aces. Boardwalk Empire was phenomenal. Man, this is a good time to be a TV fan. Definitely. All right. Thanks everybody. See you next week. See you next week. <laughs>